Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. It is Wednesday, March the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 5.57 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas, where in about an hour... I I won't be sitting where I'm currently sitting. I'm sitting here in the back of the sanctuary with all of the podcast equipment set up. But in in just about an hour, the podcast equipment will be moved to the sound booth. Then I'll get the lapel mic set up, and then I'll walk to the front of the church and stand stand behind the pulpit. I'll be wearing the microphone. Stand behind the pulpit, and we'll be studying John chapter 13 tonight for our Wednesday evening service. But that means I have about an hour, right? I have about an hour. So what do I do with an hour? I mean, I have an entire hour. I've got to do something useful and beneficial because you don't want to waste a second. So I want to just take a few minutes to just, let's let's have a conversation. Let, let's let's talk. Let's imagine this. Let's, let's imagine that you're one of those church members who show up early for church. Okay, I know they don't really exist, but okay, there's always a couple, but most people show up, you know, late to right on time. Let's imagine you're just like, you showed up an hour early and you just walked through the front door of Victory Baptist Church here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Most likely because you were driving and you got lost and you just like, well, there's a building. I'll stop there and see what's going on, okay? So you walked into the church and I was like, hey, how you doing? Like, how are you doing? And I, you see me sitting here at the table. You see my Bible open. Like, what are you doing? What are you reading? What are you studying? I'm like, well, I'm glad you asked that question. I'm sitting here trying to figure out and trying to understand all of the implications of a verse in the book of Proverbs. And you say, because you know, you, you're very spiritual, you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Do you mind if I sit down and, and, and look at it with you and we talk about it? And I'll be like, absolutely. So imagine that you just decided to walk into the church. It's Wednesday e- evening. We, we have a little bit of time and you wanted to know what I'm reading and what I'm studying. So we're just going to talk about it this evening. Are you ready? I, I, I hope you'll find this to be beneficial. Now, this is as impromptu as it can get, okay? This is as in, th- this is how much I want to make sure we understand that everything I say here is just some like preliminary thoughts, just trying to think it through, and it may show up in a, a different study at a later time. So this is just some initial thoughts on this Wednesday evening, and here's how it happened. Earlier today, when I went to get my haircut, I've already, we already, in our last live broadcast, we talked about it. I grabbed my phone and I started listening to a sermon on the way there. And we just, we played a clip of it. I'm not going to go back to the sermon, but in the sermon, he makes kind of a passing reference to a verse in Proverbs, just a, a passing reference. And as soon as he said the verse and he read the verse, it was just one of those times where I've heard the verse a million times. I've probably preached on it. I've probably taught it. I've probably quoted it. I've heard it preached on, taught it's just one of those verses that everyone knows, but for some, it's just one of those situations where this particular time, when I heard the verse mentioned in the sermon, I immediately stopped and was like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I, I remember immediately reaching over and hitting pause on, 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 on the sermon going, wait a minute, I haven't, and I just started kind of like, just kind of, you know, at, at least initially started trying to just kind of work through some ideas. And, I'm, and I basically said, okay, note to self, don't forget this. 
Make sure you return to it. And then I started listening to the sermon and then my brain went a completely different direction. So as soon as the last live broadcast ended, all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, he mentioned, he mentioned that verse in Proverbs. And I'm like, okay, I, I need to go back to that. And I need to at least work on it a little bit because I don't want to forget some of the thoughts that I had. So that's what I'm doing. And now you get to be a part of it. So are you ready? Here we go. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2. All right. Now, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. There's, there's a lot we could talk about in Proverbs 21, 1. All right. The, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the river of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Whoa. I mean... Okay, we could have a long conversation there. The the heart of the king, the heart of those who are in charge for and a and a and over civil government, right? A king, anyone over in charge of government, it is God who holds the heart of the king in his hand and he turn it turneth it whithersoever he wills. Now, that the, the theological implications, the practical impl- implications of that is absolutely just astounding. And I, we, we can, I don't have enough time this evening to take it all apart, but I want you just to think about that and meditate on that. I mean, you, you can have your own Wednesday evening meditation on Proverbs 21.1, but I mean, that just demonstrates sometimes as Christians, we get so upset about, oh, this politician is doing this and this politician is doing that. And we don't like this and we don't like that. We're going to yell. And we're going to scream. We're going to argue. We're going to get mad and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, who, who's in charge? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. I mean, how do, how do you how do you understand that when looking at things literally going on in the world? Like if, if you, if the civil government does something and you don't like it and you get mad and you're like, I'm going to rebel, I'm not going to listen. Well, who, 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 who turned the heart of the king to do that? Should we at least pause and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if God is the one in charge, if God is the one who turned the king's heart in that direction, who, who am I? Like, how, how do we process that? I mean, that, that raises some serious questions that I think has been ignored a lot over the last few years as the church has become more and more political. I think that that's just something that's completely forgotten. But that's not the verse. That's not the verse. That's not the verse. It's the next verse. Proverbs 21.2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Stop right here. Every way of a man, for you, for me, for all of us, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. We have a, this is a general principle here. We have a tendency to look at our ways with our eyes. Please note our eyes. And we think, as in fact, the way the text says it, they're right in his own eyes. That we look with our eyes and what we see, we say is right. 
That's a general thing we have a tendency to do. We justify what we do, we excuse what we do, and we think that what we do is right. I mean, you typically think you are right when you're fighting and arguing with your spouse. You think you're right. When you're arguing and fighting with your kids, you think you're right. When you're arguing and fighting with your boss, you think you're right. When you're arguing and fighting with someone over a political issue, you think you're right. When you're arguing and fighting about theology, you think you're right. We always think we're right. We, we, it's built into us, but it's with our eyes. When we look with our eyes, with our eyes, I think it's interesting that, that it's going to draw a contrast here. So with the eyes, we think we're right. We think our way is right. But the Lord, now, but in a sense negates everything that just came before. We walk around thinking we're, as we look with our eyes, we think we're right. But that negates all of that. The Lord The Lord, the eternal God, pondereth the hearts. And it was that contrast of eye and heart. I didn't have my notebook with me. And even if I did, I was driving a car. So I didn't have a chance to write it down. But I, but I just I just remember saying to myself right before I hit play to continue listening to the sermon I was listening to, I said, don't forget eyes and heart. Eyes and heart, eyes and heart. With the eyes, I perceive everything that I'm doing is right. But God, that negates what I think because God doesn't care what my eyes see. God doesn't care what my perception is. God doesn't care what I perceive. He looks at something, not what I see. He looks to the heart. Meaning that what we have to learn to look to is not what we perceive with our eyes, but we have to look to, again, the way this text says it, we have to look to the heart. We have to look to the inward motivation, the inward desire. What is really going on? We see everything just from, from in a sense, from a from the uh, from an external perspective we see an action we see this we see that and we we judge it as being right or okay but god goes beyond just the external he goes to the heart we tend to judge things from a very external perspective and then we make our judgment based off what we see what we perceive but the issue is not just looking at our external action or looking at our action, look at the words spoken, look at what we did or look or what we did not do. It's the matter of the heart. The heart reveals the true motivation. The heart reveals the true motivation the true attitude, the true desire. See, the external action may not reveal the true motivation, may not even reveal the true attitude, may not even reveal the true desire. The external thing doesn't necessarily reveal what's going on. Look, at at seven o'clock, people are gonna walk through the front door of the church. Externally, 
They can say, well, I went to church. Externally, they can put a smile on their face and say, praise God, how are you doing? Everything externally looks wonderful, but in their heart, they don't really want to be here. They're bitter at someone. Maybe husband and wife are really at war with each other, but they they decided when they pulled up in the parking lot of the church to put a smile on their face and walk in and everyone looks good. Everything looks, everything looks great. But God doesn't look at what we see. God looks at the heart. He knows what's really going on. He knows why we're really at church. He knows what attitude we're really having. He knows what's really going on. In other words, God, God, and in other words, God doesn't fall for our church mask. But but I, I think the real issue here, and it's what I, I what I was really thinking about. And here here's see if this see if this makes any sense to you. Right. As I started listening to the sermon, right now, I, I want I see, hopefully this makes some sense to you. As I started listening to the sermon, I, I, I made it maybe, I don't know, two, three, four minutes in, and I started formulating a very negative attitude towards it. Maybe I didn't really like the way he was speaking. I didn't really like the way he was teaching. I didn't really like his approach. And and there was a a, a lot of negativity started creeping up in me, right? And I almost got ready to close it out. And I stopped myself and I was like, no, 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 because my attitude wasn't right. Now, look, it's perfectly okay. It's perfectly okay to acknowledge we don't like a certain preacher, we don't like their stock. It's okay to acknowledge that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's okay to because we all have our preferences. But it's also important to realize maybe I'm just having the wrong attitude, that what I should focus on is the preaching of God's word and not just these external things about my preference and speaking style or this or this or this or this or this. And maybe what I should do is humble myself and listen and get what I can from it. Now, what I ended up getting from it was a, 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 what I think is a theological position I disagree with. And it's perfectly okay to disagree with the theology. But I, it, there was just a, I just felt that there was a, a wrong attitude in me. Now with my eyes, I could have said, well, here I am. You know how many people get in their car to go get their haircut and they don't listen to a sermon? You know how many people go, go weeks without listening to a sermon? Here I am, I'm listening to a sermon. I could have I patted myself on the back, but the heart, there was just a, there was just a wrong attitude about it. So I forced myself to listen to it and get what I could from it. Even though it wasn't necessarily my style. It wasn't necessarily what I liked, but I still know here's someone opening up the word of God, doing the best they can. Be humble about it. Don't be arrogant about it. Don't be condescending. So it took me, a, so in a roundabout way, he, he started the sermon and it was very early on when he mentioned Proverbs 21. And once he mentioned Proverbs 21, verse 2, it then that's really what kind of led to me being convicted about the attitude that I was starting to have. In fact, I started having the attitude relatively quick. But that's really got me thinking about it. That See, with my eyes, I'm listening to a sermon. I'm godly. I'm, I'm listening to a sermon. I'm listening to the word of God be preached. I wonder what, yeah, I, I, in other words, it could have become a source of spiritual pride and arrogance. But the issue is God doesn't just look at that. What I see with my eyes, God looks to the heart. So literally I could be doing something spiritual, but doing it with the wrong motivation and the wrong desire. 
then it cancels out the good or the right that I, I possibly saw because it's about the heart. We have to be willing to look beyond just the external. You can do something nice for someone, but your heart, it, the motivation may be completely wrong. I, it, I think that, I just think it's an interesting contrast between the eye and the heart, the eye and the heart. And it made me think of this, right? So let me read it again. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. So to us, we see our ways, we think we're right. We think we're good. But, and I love that the way the text is written because that but immediately cancels out everything that comes before it. The Lord pondereth the heart. He looks to the heart. He looks to what's really going on inside. Not He's not distracted or blinded by the external show of you know, performance art. I, mean, I think I've said it so many times. I think so much of Christianity becomes a performance art. It's almost like we just perform and instead of there's something real. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you another example. Maybe this works. Maybe it doesn't work. Here's what I know. I'll use a different one. Because that one, I gave the idea that okay, I was trying to listen to a sermon, do something right, but there was a negative attitude. There was a, ne- a, ne- a negative something going on, all right? So let me, let me flip it around, all right? This news story uh, broke today, no, it broke yesterday at 12.45 p.m., all right? Mega churches, mega mansions, pastors' homes valued in the millions, Parsonages are often thought to be modest homes that allow pastors to survive on a meager salary. However, in our multi-million dollar budget megachurch age, a parsonage can be a $7 million mansion stretched across 35 acres and all of it tax-free. So the Trinity Foundation just did a, a massive investigation showing all of these massive homes of these past. And you should see the pre- uh, this, this, the picture of this one home is absolutely just, I've never seen anything like it. It's the most, I'm like, that is someone's house. That's a preacher's house. That's insanity. That's like absolutely insane. And then you go down. This is uh, Joel Olstein's home in Houston. I mean, absolutely. Like that, that's a house. Well, what is, is, what is that? Okay, and then they've got here, who is that? This is Kenneth Copeland, um, 18,279 square foot mansion, 18,279 square foot mansion. Now these, again, they, they avoid property tax because of tax exemption status. This is insane, All right? They go down. Uh, this is, uh, this, I don't know whose home this is. This thing is 40,500 40, square foot of living area appraised at 4.9 million. This is New Light Church in Houston, right? Then uh, they've got, uh, uh, they talk about Louisiana, Georgia, California. They mention Benny Hinn's dream home uh, worth up to 9.2 million, all right? Man, absolutely crazy. Harvest Christian Fellowship, uh, Pastor Greg Laurie, also known as, uh, also owns a multi-million dollar home in California. Home is currently valued at 3.7 million. And then John MacArthur owns three homes, two in California, one in Colorado. MacArthur's home in Santa Clarita, California is valued at 1.5 
million. They go through all these pastors with these mu- mu- either multiple homes or worth millions of dollars. And many of the cases, they, they, there's a tax exemption on it because it's a parsonage. And you're like, what in the world? Now, I could look at that. And from the eye, that all to me seems greedy and wrong. And I think there's some major questions with it. But I don't know what's going on in their heart. I don't know what's going on in their heart. I, I want to judge their heart. I want to judge it. Now, I think it's all crazy and, and there's major questions going on with all of that. There, and, and it's right to ask those questions. What I just want you to realize is, and I guarantee you on those pastor's eyes, what they're doing is right. They wouldn't think they're, MacArthur wouldn't think he's wrong for having three homes. He wouldn't, none of those pastors would think they're wrong. All of them would think they're okay. That is, that a, that a workman is worthy of his, of, 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 you know, of his labor, that, that, that he's worthy of it. And, and they would, they would quote scripture and probably try to justify it and feel perfectly okay. But God pondereth the heart. God knows what's really in their heart. I don't. That's a hard issue, but these pastors would think they were right. Now this, they're doing something that clearly, clearly to me looks questionable. And I think maybe unbiblical in many, I think we could probably make an argument there, but I can't judge the heart. It looks wrong, but I don't really know what's going on in the heart. Or you can be in a situation where what you're doing appears to be right, but your heart could be wrong. In other words, you could be doing something that may not look necessarily right, but your heart is right. And then you could be doing something that looks really good, but your heart could be wrong, which really makes it a matter of the heart. What is going on inside of you? It made me think of this. So Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but God pondereth the heart, eyes and heart. Eyes is kind of what we see, what we perceive, kind of the external. God's looking what's going on inside. Now, The only way we even come close to figuring out what's going on inside, the only way we really ever come close, I believe biblically, and I think you know where I'm going to go, right? You know where I'm going to go? I'm asking like there's people in the the congregation right now. There's no one here right now. So I'm talking to myself. All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter four. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible study should be a revealer of what's in your heart, not a opportunity to have ammunition so that you can shoot at someone else it it should be a surgical scalpel to do work on your own heart. It should reveal what's in you, not reveal what's in your husband or reveal what's in your wife, but to reveal what's in you. Eyes versus heart. Our eyes, we will, we will think that what we're doing is right. We will justify it. We will excuse it. It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. Now, now there's far more we could say, far more we could say here, far more we could, we could say. But I wanted to just kind of throw that out there on this Wednesday evening as I'm sitting here in an empty church getting ready for the Wednesday evening service. 
because I didn't want to forget this because it, it had a pro, it had a like it, like it had a profound impact on me for that second. But then what I did is I decided to continue listening to the sermon because I felt that I needed to because of my attitude that I was having. But I, I didn't want to just forget it. I didn't want to just leave it alone. I didn't want to just leave it alone. I wonder how much time. Think of it this way. How much of your time in God's word leads you to examine your heart versus leading you to condemn someone else? How much of your time in God's word leads you to examine your own heart or just leads you to condemn someone else? Now, there's a time and place to call out and condemn false doctrine, and and condemn sin. But we have to constantly be looking at ourselves. All right, I'm going to stop right there because I've got to get everything set up for everyone to arrive here shortly. All right, so thanks for listening. Um, You can let me know your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, or if you're a part of the Discord uh, channel group, just post your thoughts there. And if you want to be a part of the Discord channel group, Again, we keep it somewhat limited, but if you want to be a part of it, you want to have just good conversations and you know good discussions, then just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'll send you a link and you can be a part of the, it's a small group right now, but I think it's worked out really well. And uh, if you want to be a part of it, the invitation is currently open. All right, there you go. I'll stop there. Everyone have a great evening. We'll be back on the air and uh, let's see. About 35, 40 minutes and um, John 13. So have your Bibles ready to go and a notebook open. All right, we'll be, we'll, we'll, I I was going to say, I'll see you then. I won't technically see you, but just join us and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy the teaching. All right, everyone have a great evening. God bless.